I'm going in blind. I've seen the headlines about things that are bad for you. But I've also heard uh, some inkling of the scientific studies that suggest much of the nutritional information we're given is not based on hard science. It's time for the rational view to investigate. The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective on important societal issues. Produced by Soapbox Media. The world needs evidence-based public policy now more than ever. Making the right decisions should not be partisan politics. Please help spread the rational view by going to patron.podbean.com slash the rational view. Together, we can make a better future. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. I'm your host, Dr. Al Scott. In this episode, I'm hoping to start a new investigation into the science behind nutrition and food science. Many of us have heard the messages from our doctors that we need to cut back on our high-sodium diets, and we need to avoid fat and, and red meat to prevent heart disease. We've been told that sugar is bad for us. Processed foods are bad for us. Alcohol is bad for us. We need to eat more fruit and vegetables. We need to eat more fiber. But Western society has heard these messages for some time and is now in the midst of an increasing obesity epidemic. Are we getting good nutritional advice? I want to find out what the science says. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please press like on your podcast app. Please share it with your friends and come join us on the Rational View Facebook group. We'd love to hear your opinions on these items and also uh, any interest uh, for new podcast directions that you'd like to, to share with me. Now, I don't have much background knowledge on the topic of food science, and that's why I've stayed somewhat away from it. But I come at this uh, like hopefully a lot of you do. We can learn together. I'm going in blind. I've seen the headlines about things that are bad for you, but I've also heard uh, some inkling of the scientific studies that suggest much of the nutritional information we're given is not based on hard science. It's time for the rational view to investigate. I'm sure you've all heard of, say, the Atkins diet, where you just eat red meat and lose weight, but that does seem to go against the uh, philosophy of cutting back on red meat and fat. Uh, for for heart disease and cholesterol problems. I want to go through what some of my initial understandings are on some of these topics that I want to tackle in, in follow-on podcasts. And um, maybe we can, uh, we can understand a little bit about where I'm going to be coming from on these as my initial hypothesis. And we'll see if we can test these hypotheses with the experts and see if they stand up to the scientists. So, sugar. Um, the body needs sugar to live. It's not something that we should try to avoid. And I, I try to avoid artificial sweeteners in, in colas. Uh, I also try to moderate my sugar intake, except around Christmas, which has been a problem with me. Um, I've heard aspartame can cause cancer, and I've heard that uh, sucralose can cause anal leakage. Uh, these are things I'd like to avoid. I haven't verified any of that. But I've also heard that people who drink sugar-free soda do not in general lose weight. In fact, uh, I think there was a study recently that showed that people that drink that 
tend to gain weight. But maybe it's uh, due to another factor. Maybe it's not a strong study. Maybe there are confounding factors in these studies that may have led to this. So I want to investigate sugar. I want to investigate salt. Food manufacturers, as far as I've known, have been under a lot of pressure to reduce um, the sodium content of their processed food. Some of those dried noodle soups, if you go to the grocery store and look at the the label, they have truly horrific salt concentrations. And if you look at, you know, percentage of your daily intake that they actually will will write, you know, half a packet is 100% of your daily intake. Uh, you know, you have to look at what volume they specify on the label and figure out, okay, well, I'm going to eat the whole thing. Oh, no. Well, it's, it's very difficult to find a single serving of soup with less than, say, 35% of your daily sodium allowance. So I want to ask the questions, is your daily sodium allowance based on good science? Um, after years of searching for these soups, uh, you know, I've come across more recent research that calls into question the need to limit sodium intake. Um, I've read that the data that's saying sodium is bad for you is all taken from people who already have problems, who are already high blood pressure or have had heart attacks. So yes, sodium is bad for these people at risk, but is it bad for the general healthy population? I want to dig into the science and find the truth about salt. Uh, another one, fat, similar to salt. Uh, I've heard the research saying that fat is bad for you is rather sparse. Uh, fat has a high concentration of calories. So it was thought to be bad for you just because too much fat is too much calories. But what researchers have found out, I believe, is that fat limits your appetite. And this is the, the root of the Atkins diet, for example. Um, if you go to the grocery store and buy the low-fat versions of any food product, like sour cream, for example, the manufacturers tend to increase the sodium to compensate for the loss of flavor. So which is better, low-fat, high-sodium, or high-sodium, low-fat? Cholesterol buildup in your arteries is a known cause of heart attacks. Does eating foods high in cholesterol lead to buildup of cholesterol in the bloodstream? How does the food get from your mouth to your stomach, to your blood. Doesn't the stomach break down all of the cholesterol? My understanding is that the cells in your body manufacture the cholesterol that ends up in your bloodstream and causes hardening of the arteries. So I'm a bit skeptical of, of cutting back on cholesterol, for example, as, as a food product. Maybe there's a connection. Obviously, if you have the raw products to make cholesterol, maybe your body makes more of it. But I also think that it's probably genetic that you get cholesterol buildup on your in your bloodstream from the basic uh, proteins that you eat that are manufactured by your cells into cholesterol in your blood. What I do know about fats in terms of the research is that trans fats are implicated in heart disease. There's been, I think, strong studies that trans fatty acids, uh, which are made from hydrogenated vegetable oil, if you look at the, the recipe or the 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 label of margarine, you know, it's hydrogenated vegetable oil. It's a source of trans fats. It's a source of heart disease. So my feeling from my background, my, my very superficial 100-foot view is that butter is better than margarine and nuts are better still. So, you know, the types of fats that you get are important. Uh, and it's not necessarily bad to have uh, too much red meat, but we have to talked about the science and talked to the scientists on this. So I'm hoping to interview people who know something about this, uh, who can help us out. Uh, here's the next one uh, near and dear to my heart, alcohol. Uh, recently, the Canadian Centre on Substance, Abuse, Substance Use and Addiction 
issued new guidelines for the healthy use of alcohol, cutting their 2011 healthy limit of 15 drinks a week down to two drinks a week. In a move reminiscent of the linear no-threshold theory of radiation, uh, I guess I'm not too surprised, but let's say I'm not too happy with these new guidelines. So I'd love to interview someone who could tell us what the science says on alcohol and is every drop of alcohol bad for you? Another thing that I've heard, of course, uh, and you've probably heard too, is that you know a couple of drinks of wine are good for you. The Mediterranean diet actually extends your life. There's been a lot of controversy over this, uh, and I don't know if it's coming from good science or if it's coming from you know, uh, a slippery slope type of argument that people are trying to keep people away from having alcohol entirely uh, because it's a slippery slope to addiction. So these are all interesting arguments. I want to, I want to, you know, dig into this and figure out where where the science actually leads us. Other topics I want to investigate: uh, organic farming. Is food grown through organic farming processes more nutritious than food produced using traditional farming practices? And what about genetically modified? Uh, organisms. Are they dangerous and unhealthy or are they enabling us to feed people more efficiently? Now, I had an an earlier podcast on GMOs and my conclusion of that was that GMOs are not uh, inherently dangerous and are actually uh, probably saving a lot of lives by uh, making food easier to produce with fewer pesticides. Uh, And if you look at my position on organic farming, it would be that um, organic farming, yes, it does probably in most cases produce um, pesticide, use less pesticides, but it also takes more land to make the same volume of food. So we have to weigh the pros and cons of this thing. It, you know, it's more expensive for a reason because it's more difficult to produce. It takes more land, it takes more labor. So something I may, I may dig into, uh, I'll be trying to line up some interviews. Um, other ideas, uh, detoxes. If you've ever heard of uh, people pushing um, detox programs, I flat out don't believe that that nutritional supplements and diets will detox our bodies. Uh, first, convince me that there are toxins that we need to get rid of that are not being eliminated naturally. We have an organ that eliminates toxins. It's called the liver. If your liver isn't working, you've got bigger problems than needing a, a an herbal detox. So I'm somewhat skeptical on these. Uh, maybe we'll we'll find out something together. Antioxidants. Here's another um, nutritional um, chemical. Uh, people push various nutritional supplements with antioxidant properties. You've probably heard of these things. So. I understand the chemistry of antioxidants. Uh, They're meant to bind up free radicals. Free radicals are highly reactive chemicals that can cause damage. They call it oxidative damage to our cells. They break down, they they react with with compounds in in our bodies and break down our cells. They create damage. One of the biggest sources of free radicals in our lives is oxygen. Oxygen is a very reactive compound that we need to live, but we take it into our body, it breaks down, it oxidizes things, it makes... It, it it ages us effectively and antioxidants so are supposed to you know counteract the damage of breathing which causes us to age so from my limited knowledge i believe that antioxidants bind up free radicals in our body and are supposed to mitigate the damage of living somewhat my understanding is that vegetables are a good source of antioxidants this is a very low level understanding so you know i'm kind of going into this with some basic chemistry, some basic biology, and 
Uh, I'd like to understand whether the science says that eating antioxidants can help us live more healthy, can help us live longer. Is it good to interfere with these processes that have um, built up over time in our bodies to, to, you know, through evolution? Obviously, some of these in interferences help us and some don't. And what we need science for is to tell us the difference. Uh, vitamin, this leads into vitamins and health supplements. Uh, first, uh, uh, a caveat, I don't really know what vitamins are, chemically speaking. I've never covered that in high school science as far as I remember. What do I know? I know we need vitamin C to prevent scurvy. We need vitamin D to prevent seasonal affective disorder up here in the Northern Hemisphere in our long, dark winters. Uh, vitamin D is manufactured in our bodies through sunlight, where we, you know, we photosynthesize vitamin D in some way. Um, uh, so I don't think we have any health recommendations to take supplements except vitamin D for our health. Although people who, uh, women who want to get pregnant should be taking folic acid uh, for brain health of the, uh, of the infant. Uh, as we should be getting everything else from our diets, uh, unless of course we're on a long sea voyage, in which case you do want to have vitamin C for the sea. Uh, this, this actually leads to a story um, that I read recently about uh, why British sailors were called limeys. Uh, citrus was found to cure scurvy in the mid-18th century, which was a problem. You know, people on long sea voyages, their teeth would fall out, they would get sick they, and die. So the British Navy found that loading ships with lemons and limes uh, prevented scurvy uh, amongst the crew. So they had a daily ration of, of, of citrus juice uh, that they would drink uh, to, and the American sailors called them limeys because of this. And I read a, an article recently. It was talking about the the Scott expedition, the doomed Scott expedition uh, to the South Pole, to Antarctica, uh, and they may have fallen victim to scurvy uh, in the early 1900s, the early 20th century of all times. It took until the early 20th century to realize that vitamin C was the component of the lemons and limes that that treated scurvy. Uh, the reason they found this out was that, you know, originally they had lemons and limes in, in the, uh, in the ships, but over time, uh, when they started, uh, colonizing the West Indies, they found out that limes from the West Indies were very easy to source. So they started using these limes from the West Indies to, to try to treat scurvy, but limes are actually much less, much lower in vitamin C than lemons or oranges. And it turns out that they weren't giving out enough vitamin C to fend off scurvy. So it actually had, there was an upswing of scurvy on ships in the, in the 19th through the 19th century, uh, because they didn't know what aspect of these citrus fruits was, was preventative. They thought maybe it was the acid and it was one of the acids. It was the citric acid, but it wasn't just acid. So people would use vinegar as a cure. Uh, they had all sorts of different things. So it wasn't until like 1919 that they realized that it was the vitamin C component, uh, that, uh, fended off scurvy. Uh, other vitamin uh, anecdotes, I find personally that, that vitamin B, for example, helps me to sleep better. I'm very curious to find out what the science says on some of these vitamin uh, supplements. Uh, I know just taking them is not recommended by most doctors. So this is an interesting scientific evidence question that I'd like to pursue. So these are some of the questions that, I, that I've thought of that I want us to, to discuss uh, I'm going to be lining up interviews come 
post on my Facebook group or tag me in a tweet with your food science and nutrition questions or suggestions for guests. Uh, which of these topics are you most interested in? I'm going to get these interviews together over coming weeks and try to shine a light on this confusing topic. Let's put to bed some myths and get a rational view on nutrition and food. If you'd like to follow up with more in-depth discussions, please come find us on Facebook at The Rational View and join our discussion group. If you like what you're hearing, please consider visiting my Patreon page at patron.podbean.com slash The Rational View. Thanks for listening.